The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta. At Delta Airlines, we're committed to donating 1% of our net profits to charities around the world. For more information about Delta, visit Delta.com. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, August 1st. In today's news, federal prosecutors reveal that Paul Manafort has a $15,000 jacket made from ostrich. Congress holds its first hearing on the family separation debacle at the border. And the Senate once again fails to fix the broken flood insurance program. But first, the big idea. We're living in the brave new world. New technologies make so much possible. Social networks keep us connected. And 3D printers are so cool. They make it easier and cheaper to produce not just awesome new products, but life-saving technologies. Yet innovation also has a dark side. And two new stories illustrate this. A federal judge last night blocked the publication of blueprints for 3D printed guns, issuing a temporary restraining order just hours before the schematics for do-it-yourself assault rifles were going to be posted online. U.S. District Court Judge Robert Lasnik issued the order in response to a lawsuit from eight attorneys general who argued that putting these instructions online poses a national security threat. The firearms, which are mostly made of plastic, are untraceable because they don't have serial numbers, they wouldn't require a background check to print, and they're easily destroyed after being used. The available blueprints that a nonprofit wants to put up online citing its First Amendment rights include guides for making guns like AR-15s and AR-10s, a pistol called the Liberator, and a Ruger 10-22. The technology could herald an era of do-it-yourself guns that could be produced and amassed in secret. Meanwhile, Facebook acknowledged yesterday that there is an ongoing and coordinated disinformation campaign on its platform, and that this campaign likely being spearheaded by the Russian government, is seeking to sow discord and deepen political divisions among Americans ahead of the midterm elections. The social network said it discovered more than 30 false pages and profiles that were created between last March and this May. Those fake pages lured at least 290,000 Americans with ads, events, and regular posts on such divisive topics as race, fascism, and feminism. Some sought to stir opposition to President Trump. The company informed law enforcement before it deleted the profiles on Tuesday. It also notified lawmakers of the activity earlier this week and said it will notify the real Facebook users who were swept up in the Russian operation. The intelligence community believes this is being directed at the Kremlin's instruction and run by the Russian government-backed Internet Research Agency. What's scary is that the operators of these newly banned pages were much more clever about covering their tracks than they were in 2016. And experts believe there are many more pages like this that have not yet been discovered. The Senate Intelligence Committee will hold a hearing today on efforts to spread political discord on social media. Chairman Richard Burr, a Republican from North Carolina, says he plans to make Facebook's new disclosure central to the discussion. There are several other stories in today's paper about the potential uses and misuses of new technologies, from self-driving cars to DNA tests to discover your ancestry. But a piece in the Wall Street Journal caught my eye. Apparently, many parents are fretting over the rise of Fortnite. It's a new hit video game that has inspired an almost cult-like following among adolescents. But it's not the violence or even the flagrant disregard for screen time rules that's causing parents to lose sleep. It's their kids' fear of losing 
It's a fear so deeply held, in fact, that many parents have begun shelling out cash to hire video game tutors for their children. Yes, video game tutors. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar this hump day. Number one, after months of motions and delays, Paul Manafort's trial on bank and tax fraud charges began in Alexandria, Virginia on Tuesday. Prosecutors, who are working for Bob Mueller, the special counsel, allege that the president's former campaign chairman failed to pay taxes on millions he made from his work for a Russia-friendly Ukrainian political party. Then he lied about it to get loans when the cash stopped coming in. Assistant U.S. Attorney Uzo Asonye highlighted Manafort's extravagant lifestyle, including his purchase of a $15,000 jacket made from an ostrich, among other things. Meanwhile, defense attorney Thomas Zainley sought to place blame on Manafort's former deputy, Richard Gates, who took a plea deal earlier this year to flip on his former mentor. Zainley said Gates made a deal to lie about Manafort in order to avoid jail time. He pointed out that Gates, who also played a very senior role in the Trump 2016 campaign and stuck around after Trump fired Manafort, even lied to federal investigators in the process of negotiating his plea deal. The defense team also accused Gates of embezzling millions from Manafort's business and then working to hide the income. Number two, the Health and Human Services official in charge of the agency's migrant family reunification efforts says he warned Trump appointees for months about the potential trauma to children if they were forcibly separated from their parents. Commander John White told the Senate Judiciary Committee yesterday that he was assured there would be no policy that was going to result in such separations. That, of course, proved to be untrue. And now, many migrant children who were separated from their parents show continuing signs of anxiety and trauma even after being reunited with their folks. For his part, Trump yesterday repeated his threat to shut down the federal government at the end of September if he does not get the money for the border wall he wants to build. Number three, the Senate voted to approve yet another short-term extension of the federal flood insurance program in a scramble to move the stopgap measure just hours ahead of the hurricane season, which starts today, August 1st. The vote preserves access to flood insurance for U.S. homeowners, but it again punts reforms to a program that covers more than 5 million households and collects more than $3 billion in premiums annually. Lawmakers have been unable to move forward on changes to the program nearly a year after a string of hurricanes, from Harvey to Irma and Maria, highlighted the fiscal stress on the National Flood Insurance Program. The issue of funding the program has long caused fault lines in Congress. It pits fiscal conservatives who want to end the federal role in the flood insurance market against coastal state lawmakers, including many Republicans who say they're fiscal conservatives because their constituents depend on the federal subsidy. The flood insurance program has more than $20 billion in public debt on its books. An additional $16 billion was canceled last year by Congress to avoid a $30 billion ceiling on the program's borrowing. The reality is that if there's another hurricane season that's bad, like last year's, it could create real insolvency for the program and likely lead to yet another bailout. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, August 1st. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.